Welcome to my podcast. This is Come Follow Me with Christy Ivory. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am outside enjoying this beautiful slight wind and reading my scriptures and it's just beautiful out here by the garden. I have talked about the Book of Mormon in previous episodes here and what the Book of Mormon is and it's another testament of Jesus Christ. It is a record, an ancient record of ancient America. And if you care to know a little bit more about the Book of Mormon, in my last episode, I touched more on this. It is such a powerful book. It's just so powerfully beautiful and so um, incredible. The details that I'm reading and the um, parallels to today are just amazing. I'm going to jump right into this. Helaman chapter 7. Nephi. Um, he decided that he was the son of Helaman. And he wanted to go up and to the land northward. And leave Zarahemla and go teach the people. And he went among the people and he preached the word of God unto them and did prophesy many things unto them. In number three, they did reject all of his words and so much that he could not stay among them, but returned again unto the land of his nativity. So the people completely rejected him, completely rejected everything that he had to say. Think of how discouraged he must have felt. Um, any of you out there that have done missionary work, been a part of any kind of missionary work, can understand how devastating this must have been that nobody wanted to receive him. In number four, it says, he says this, and seeing the people in a state of awful wickedness and those Gadianton robbers filling the judgment seats, having absurped the power and authority of the land laying aside the commandments of God and not in the least all right before him, doing no justice unto the children of men. And so you guys in previous chapters, chapters one through six of Helaman, we learned about the Gadianton robbers and how um, Kishkumen wanted to go murder Helaman in the judgment seat. And he was about to carry out this awful plan when one of the servants of Helaman stabbed him in the heart as he was going up to take Helaman's life. And so Kishkumen lay dead and Gadianton had this pack of criminals that made an oath and a pact never to disclose who killed Pahoran because the previous chief judge was murdered. So they wanted to do the same thing to Helaman, and he didn't succeed. But this little, this little band of Gadianton robbers, I don't think it was actually that little, because people decided to join with them, and this group was gaining some power. Um, when Gadianton realized that Kishkumen didn't come back, then he fled with his band of Gadianton robbers. And I cannot help but just... Um, parallel Antifa nowadays to the Gadianton robbers and they are accomplishing the same things. They are doing the same things. 
And so that's just a little background on Gaddy Anton. Um, so here we have uh, those awful Gaddy Anton robbers filling the judgment seats and having usurped power and authority of the land. So here they were taking over the government. And, you know, not Antifa, but the Gaddy Anton robbers were filling the judgment seat just with their corrupt wicked ideology and they were laying aside the commandments of God and and this was not okay with Nephi this really really upset him Um, in number five it says condemning the righteous because of their righteousness letting the guilty and the wicked go unpunished because of their money like this is happening right now People have been using their money, people of power and influence right now have been using their, their money to get them out of trouble, to bail people out of trouble so that they can carry on their destructive behavior. That's what's going on right now as we speak. Um, the wicked go unpunished because of their money and moreover to be held in office at the head of government to rule and do according to their wills that they might gain and glory of the world and moreover that they might the more easy, that they might more easily commit adultery and steal and kill and do according to their own will because when you're in authority and you have a lot of money, you can get away with so much more. I'm not going to mention any names, but if you do a little bit of research, you can see that this is happening right under our noses. All of this is going down. And in six, now this great iniquity had come upon the Nephites in the space of not many years. And when Nephi saw it, his heart was swollen with sorrow within his breast. And he did exclaim in the agony of his soul. He was in so much agony over the destruction of the government and what was going on in, the, in his world. He was so upset about it that he wished that he could go back to the times when, way back when Lehi left Jerusalem. He wanted to go back there. He says in 7, Oh, that I could have had my days in the days when my father Nephi came, first came out of the land of Jerusalem, that I could have joyed with him in the promised land. He was just so sad about this. And, you know, my daughter has said to me before, why do we have to live in this time with phones and distraction and crazy stuff? And I pointed out to her this morning as we studied, this is exactly how you have felt. Why did you have to, why do you have to be born right now? And what she doesn't know is she is, I mean, she does know this, but she is carrying out her role in this plan that God has for her and has for this generation. This is the strongest generation since the beginning of time. They are having to endure things that, that not many of us have had to deal with. So I just assured and reassured her that 
this is this is God's purpose for you right now and he has a plan for all of us but Nephi he was in agony and he was in pain and he was wishing and hoping that he didn't have to be a part of what was going on um he says in 7 that I could have joyed with him in the promised land then were his people easy to be entreated, firm to keep the commandments of God, and slow to be led to do iniquity, and they were quick to hearken unto the words of the Lord. Oh, he just desired to have righteous people around him. Uh, his namesake, he wished he could be there, and, and not a part of this troubled, corrupt time. And in eight, if my days could have been in those days, then my soul would have joyed in righteousness of my brethren, in the righteousness of my brethren. But behold, I'm consigned that these are my days. And you know what? I've thought about this. This whole COVID thing sucks. It really, it's terrible. I mean, it has taken a toll on so many small businesses. Um, I've had this thought. I've had this discouragement lately. Like, I have big dreams. Um, those of you that watch my Facebook page know that I design headpieces. And I have always just had this dream of traveling and um, being in beautiful places and seeing beautiful things. And I had really high goals and aspirations. And when this COVID thing hit... I have just kind of been like, okay, Christy, it's okay. You can do this. You can still do this. But it really has taken a toll on my hope here and there. Luckily, I bounce back pretty quick because I can keep my hope going. But there have been times where I have felt this, you know, wishing that this was not my time, just like Nephi. But this is my, these are my days, he says. And that my soul shall be filled with sorrow because of the wickedness of my brethren. So here he goes and he gets on a tower. And it's right next to the Garden of Nephi. And right next to the, right next to the highway and next to the chief market. So he gets himself upon this tower which was in his garden and he knelt down and he started pouring his soul out to God on this tower. And I'm sure you could see his anguish and his emotion as he cried out. And there are a few men stopped by and they were like, Whoa, what is going on? What is Nephi doing? So they ran around gathering people. They all came and started staring at him, wondering what was going on with him. Why was, what was going on? They were kind of bewildered and um, shocked. And he says in 13, it came to pass that he opened his mouth and said unto them, Behold, why have you gathered yourself together? That I may tell you of your iniquities? He's like, what are you doing? What are you looking at? Do you want me to tell you why I'm here? Why I'm pleading my soul out to God? Do you really want to hear about all of your sins? Well, I'm going to tell you if you're gathered here Um, in 14. Yea, because I have got upon my tower that I might pour out my soul into God because of the exceeding sorrow of my heart, which is because of your iniquities. 
And because of my mourning and lamentations, ye have gathered yourself together and, and do marvel. Yea, and ye have great need to marvel. Yea, ye ought to marvel because ye are given away to the devil. Um, to that, that the devil has got so great hold upon your hearts. Yea, how could ye have given way to the enticing of him who was seeking to hurl, hurl away your souls down to an everlasting misery and endless woe? And then he goes on to tell them to repent. Repent, oh repent, repent ye. Why will ye die? Turn ye, turn ye into the, unto the Lord your God. Why has he forsaken you? And man, this chapter is just so powerful. When he is in the agony of his soul, he just expresses himself so rawly here. Um, So he's saying, repent. It's because you've hardened your hearts and you will not listen to God, he tells them. You've provoked him to anger against you. And he's saying, you need to repent or you're going to become like meat for dogs and wild beasts. So he's giving him he's giving them warning here. Some serious warning. And in 20 he says, "Oh, how could ye have forgotten your God in the very day that he has delivered you?" How could ye forget so quickly? The times that God has delivered you against the Nephite, I mean the Lamanites. He has delivered you. And here, it's like you never saw it and never experienced it. You've forgotten and it didn't even take you many years to forget. It said there in, which one was it? Verse 6. Not many years. But then... They lost, they lost everything. They lost their conviction. They went against the spirit of the Holy Ghost and the knowledge that they were given. They went against it. And Nephi tells them here that it is better that the Lamanites, he says, I'm sorry, he says the Lamanites are better than you right now because you have sinned against the Holy Ghost When you sin against the Holy Ghost and you've already had the knowledge and you've already had the truth and then you go against it, you are in bigger trouble with God than those of the Lamanites who haven't received this light and knowledge. So he goes on to tell them that. Um, You can hear my pages blowing in the wind here. Um... And 21, but behold, it is to get gain, to be praised of men, yea, and that ye might get gold and silver, money, money. Why is money always the root of all this evil going on? And praise of men. I mean, you can see that left and right. I told my kids to pull up Instagram. It's just really really um, blatantly obvious that people are seeking praise all over the place. And it is sad. It's very sad. Um, And ye have set your hearts upon riches and the vain things of the world, for the which ye do murder and plunder. Plunder means steal. Uh, 
I'm sorry. Plun- no, no. Plunder doesn't mean steal. I think it means just like destroy. So you murder and destroy and steal and bear false witness against your neighbor and do all manner of iniquity. And for this cause, woe shall come unto you, except ye shall repent. So he is just really driving home to the people of Nephi to repent. Because guess what's going to happen if you don't repent? Your cities are going to be taken away. That's the next thing that he's going to say here. For if you will not repent, behold, this great city... And also all those great cities which are round about, which are in the land of our possession, shall be taken away, that ye shall have no place in them. I mean, is that scary or what? As I was reading this, I was just like, wow, our cities are being taken away right now. I mean, about, I think it was two months ago, we went driving just on the freeway past Portland, Oregon. And it looked like a total slum from the freeway. That was only the freeway. Last I checked, they had like, it was 80 straight days of destruction in Portland. And um, nothing was done. The governor was just sitting back and letting everything happen there. And all of the destruction happened. And I know it's been, it's, the number is way higher than 80 now. I've lost count of what's going on there, but it continues to go on all over the nation. These destruction of the cities. And this is just scary when I read this. For if it, if you will not repent, behold this great city and also all those great cities which are round about, which are in the land of our possession shall be taken away that ye shall have no place in them. For behold, the Lord will not grant unto you strength, as he has hitherto done to withstand against your enemies. God gave the Nephites strength because they put him first. They recognized his, his commandments and they knew that they would receive strength if they followed him. But they lost that. And now Nephi saying, you will no longer have the strength of God with you. You're on your own. You're on your own. You gave that up unless you repent. You're not going to have any strength given by God. And he needed those Nephites. They need that protection from their enemies. We need that protection from our enemies Doing things alone without God's strength is very, very difficult. And I have thought so many times, how do people do it without having a knowledge of God, without leaning on him in times of trial and struggle? I really don't know how people do it. Well, actually, I do know. I think that people people use substances and devices to cover up and um, try to pacify these feelings of loneliness, agony, struggle, trial. They try to cover it up instead of trying to deal with it uh, the way God intends us to deal with it, which is to come to him and humble ourselves 
and recognize God in our lives. That's what he wants us to do. And that's what Nephi was trying to get across to the Nephites. Um, so he talked about the strength. In 24, for behold, they are more righteous than you. So he goes on to tell them. I already told you about that. And then he gives them a warning here. Um, oh, wait. In 25, woe be unto you because of that great abomination which has come among you. And ye have united yourselves unto it. Yea, to that secret band which is established by Gadianton. So they were uniting with Gadianton. So who's uniting with Antifa right now? You can see the parallels here just as clear as day. Woe, yea, woe shall come unto you because of that pride which ye have suffered to enter your hearts, which has lifted you up because that which is good because of your exceeding great riches. There's a reason why they say it's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a, of a needle than for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God. It seems that time and time again, I'm noticing and realizing in here that money is the cause and the cause of a lot of evil. Um, is it every cause? No. I, I believe God wants us to be prosperous. He wants us to have riches. But I think that you have to be so humble and prayerful because there's a pride cycle that goes into place when, when you have a lot of money. And um, once again, so evident in our world today. In 27, yea, woe be unto you because of your wickedness and abominations. And except ye repent, ye shall perish. Yea, even your lands shall be taken from you, and ye shall be destroyed from off the face of the earth. Well, that's scary, isn't it? Behold now, this is the last verse, I do not say that these things shall be of myself, because it is not of myself that I know these things, but behold, I know that these things are true because the Lord God has made them known unto me. Therefore, I testify that they shall be. So he's saying, it's not me. I'm not telling you this because I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this because God has told me this will happen, that you will not have your lands even your lands shall be taken from you and ye shall be destroyed off the face of the earth. So this is a pretty strong chapter, pretty passionate message that Nephi is getting across to his people. Um, repentance, I believe, is the moral of this chapter. That if we make ourselves right to God, I believe he looks out for his people and that you pray, you repent, and you prepare, and all is well in the world. So thanks so much for joining me today, you guys. That was a really passionate, packed chapter. So you have a good day, and I will see you in a couple days.
Hi everyone, welcome to segment two. I am on Helaman 8, and we're just going to dive right in here. Um, number one, and now it came to pass that when Nephi had said these words, behold, there were men who were judges who also belonged to the secret band of Gadianton. And they were angry, and they cried out against him, saying unto the people, Why do you not seize upon this man and bring him forth, that he may be condemned according to the crime which he has done? Because if you remember in chapter 8, he had told the people that if they did not repent, that their great cities were going to be taken from them and that they will have no place in them. So when these wicked judges of Gadianton heard this, remember they had taken over the judgment seats and now they were moving into the government and they were angry. And so they shouted round about, why are we listening to this? Why are you guys not, why are you allowing him to say these things? Um, in number two, why seest thou this man and hearest him revile against the people and against our law? For behold, Nephi had spoken unto them concerning the corruptness of their law. So he told them that their laws were corrupt. He told them they needed to repent and that their great cities were going to be taken from them. So these judges were angry and they wanted to take him. They wanted to seize on him, but they were afraid. It says in here further down that they feared the people lest they should cry out against them. And that was in verse four. Therefore, they did cry unto the people saying, why do ye suffer this man to revile against us? For behold, he doth condemn all the people even unto destruction Yea, and also that these our great cities shall be taken from us, that we shall have no place in them. So he's, he's saying to the people, come on, how can you allow him to say these things? He just told us that our cities are going to be taken from us and that we're not going to have any place in them. How can we just sit here and listen to this guy say this? And they knew at that point that they couldn't seize him because they were afraid of the people. There were some people in that crowd that backed Nephi, that knew he was a good man. And um, so the judges weren't going to be able to overtake him very easily because he had support. And when he finally felt like he had support, he continued on. In verse 11, therefore he was constrained to speak more unto them concerning, behold, my brethren, have ye not read that God gave power unto a man, even Moses, to smite upon the waters of the Red Sea? And they parted hither and thither, insomuch that the Israelites, who were our fathers, came through upon dry ground, and the waters closed upon the armies of the Egyptians and swallowed them up. And now behold, if God gave unto this man such power, then why should ye dispute among yourselves and say that he hath given unto me no power, whereby I may know concerning the judgments that shall come upon you except ye repent? So here he's saying God gave Moses power. 
Why can he not give me power? I am a prophet. He didn't say that, but he was at the time. He was the prophet. And in 13, but behold, ye not only deny my words, but ye deny all the words which have been spoken by our fathers. It's not just me that you deny. You deny all of the prophets, is what he's saying. And they all were given power by God. And finishing up 13, yea, the words which he hath spoken concerning the coming of the Messiah. The prophets testified of Christ. They spoke of Christ. They preached of Christ. They prophesied of Christ. And they still deny all of the words of the prophets. And in 16, and now behold, Moses did not only testify of these things, but also all the holy prophets from his days, even to the days of Abraham. And then he goes through and starts listing all of the prophets. Abraham not only knew of these things, but there were many before the days of Abraham who were called by the order of God. Here he lists in 20, Zenic, Elias, Elijah, I'm sorry, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Jeremiah being that same prophet who testified of the destruction of Jerusalem. And now we know that Jerusalem was destroyed according to his words and according to the words of Jeremiah. Oh, then why not the son of God come according to his prophecy? If Jeremiah testified that the city of Jerusalem was going to be destroyed and you clearly saw that it was destroyed, then why not believe that the Messiah is going to come? Because he also prophesied of that. All of the holy prophets have testified that Jesus Christ will come. It was all, it's all there. It's been there. And Nephi is saying, you still don't believe these words, even though you've seen evidences. You know, and I think that's important that we recognize and see evidences. We need to look. We need to open our eyes and we need to observe and and look for these evidences because they are out there and they testify of Christ and of Heavenly Father's plan. And we just have to look and we have to um, live. Look and live. He goes on to tell, um, to talk about Moses and how Moses um, was commanded to make a brass serpent because after the um, Israelites crossed the Red Sea on dry ground, Moses had that power. And then the waters came down upon the Egyptians. Once they were in the land, the people began to complain. They complained against God. They complained against Moses. They were unhappy with the food that they had been given. And Heavenly Father sent in serpents, and they were biting the Israelites. And the Israelites then realized, oh my goodness, we're, we're sinning. We've sinned against God. We've sinned against Moses. We've complained against him. 
Um, and Moses said, here's this staff. All you have to do after you've been bitten is look and you will live. And the people that looked, they lived. The people that refused, they died. So here Nephi is explaining the story of Moses that all we need to do is look and live. And let's see, in verse 22, our father Lehi was driven out of Jerusalem because he testified of these things. Nephi also testified of these things. And also, almost all of our fathers, even down to this time, yea, they have testified of the coming of Christ and have looked forward and have rejoiced in his day, which is to come. Um, I already talked about that. So in 25... But behold, ye have rejected the truth and rebelled against your holy God. And even at this time, instead of laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where nothing doth corrupt and where nothing can, can which is unclean, where nothing can come which is unclean, you're heaping up for yourselves wrath against the day of judgment. Yea, even at this time, you're ripening. And when I read that word ripening, it really stood out to me. Ripening. Okay? Just keep that in mind because, and he continues on, because of your murders, your fornication, your wickedness, and for everlasting destruction. Yea, and except ye repent, it will come unto you soon. So they were ripening for destruction. Do we have any of these issues today? Murders, fornications, wickedness. We have all of that. 27, yea, behold, it is now even at your doors. Yea, go ye in unto the judgment seat and search. And behold, your judge is murdered, and he lieth in his blood and he hath been murdered by his brother, who seeketh to sit in the judgment seat. And behold, they both belong to your secret band, whose author is Gadianton, and the evil one who seeketh to destroy the souls of men. And there he's referring to the devil, Satan, that he is the destroyer of the souls of men. And... This band of Gadianton was teaming up with Satan to destroy the souls of men. This is about to get, um, let's see, what is the word? This is about to get like, um, Hmm, I drew a blank. Very interesting, I guess is the word I want to say. This is about to get very interesting because Nephi's purpose in saying all this was to try to convince them or possibly maybe he knew he couldn't convince them, but to testify that 
the things that he has said are true. And he is out to show them that the things that he has testified about their lands um, are true. And that if they don't repent, they're going to lose their cities. Um, so in this next chapter, chapter 9, we will see uh, how he is able to show the people. Thanks for joining me. Bye. Good evening, friends. This is Christy with Come Follow Me. And I am just finishing up Helaman chapter 9. And it was a pretty intense chapter. Do you guys remember last that the chapter 8 ended with Nephi prophesying to all of the people that were gathered around? He had told them that they were going to lose their cities. They didn't believe him. So he actually was going to tell them something that would give them a sign that he was a prophet of God. So he, um, he told them to go to the judgment seat and that they would find the chief judge murdered and that his brother murdered him. And five of the men in the group took off on the dead run. They were running. And as they were running in verse 2, chapter 9, verse 2, Behold, now we will know of a surety whether this man be a prophet, and God hath commanded him to prophesy such marvelous things unto us. Behold, we do not believe that he hath, yea, we do not believe that he is a prophet. Nevertheless, if this thing which he has said concerning the chief judge be true, that he be dead, then we will, then will we believe that the other words which he has spoken are true. So they were sitting here saying, okay, let's just see. Let's just see what happens here. So they took off on the dead run. And when they got to the chief judge and they got to the judgment seat, they beheld that he had fallen to the earth and he was there and he was lying in his own blood. And now behold, when they saw this, they were astonished. This is in verse four. They were astonished exceedingly in so much that they fell to the earth and they had not believed the words which Nephi had spoken concerning the chief judge. They were so shocked they fell to the earth. I mean, that must have been a pretty big shock <laughs> to be, to, to go there and realize, oh, wow, all of these things that Nephi has been saying are totally true. Oh my gosh, they're true. So you can imagine how astonished they were. They fell to the earth. Um, in five, but now when they saw the they believed and fear came upon them lest all the judgments which Nephi had spoken should come unto the people therefore they did quake and had fallen to the earth so immediately when the judge had been murdered he being stabbed by his brother by the garb of secrecy and he fled and the servants ran and told the people raising the cry of murder among them. So he was stabbed by his brother. Like, what is it with these family members 
I mean, I know that becoming a chief judge over the land is a, a serious position of power that probably many people wanted. But oh my gosh, to stab your brother to become king. It's just so wicked and corrupt. I cannot even wrap my head around wanting the power that bad. But they did. This is happening a, a few times in here already that we've read in the book of Helaman. Okay, so where am I now? Oh, yeah. Okay, so in verse 8. And now behold, the people knew nothing concerning the multitude who had gathered together at the Garden of Nephi. Um, I have to talk about the Garden of Nephi, okay? Because remember, he gets on top of the tower and he's praying in agony for his, his people that they are so wicked. So this tower is located right in the Garden of Nephi. I wonder what this garden looked like. I bet it was beautiful. Uh, I got my mind on the garden lately because mine is in peak season right now. And it's just so beautiful. And anyways, everyone was gathered around. Therefore, they said among themselves, these men are they who have murdered the judge. The God, and God has smitten them that they could not flee from us. So these, the rest of the people that were gathered around Nephi and Nephi's garden... They, when they went to find the the five that had gone to see the chief judge, they found them dead and they said, this is God punishing these people. They fell to the earth and they could not flee. And that is because God is punishing them. So they immediately judged them, put them in jail. And so they were accused of being the murderers of the chief judge. In nine... Okay, they were cast into prison, and there was a proclamation sent abroad that the judge was slain and that the murderers had been taken and were cast into prison. And it came to pass that on the morrow the people did assemble themselves together to mourn and fast at the burial of the great chief judge who had been slain. And even the, the judges were there at the funeral, the judges that were in the Garden of Nephi, and um, they were also there. And let's see. Came to pass that they inquired among the people saying, where are the five who were sent to inquire? Okay, so they came out and said, well, they're in jail. They're the murderers. We've cast them into prison. And it came to pass that in 13 that the judges desired that they should be brought and they were brought and behold, they were the five who were sent and behold, the judges inquired of them to know concerning the matter. And they told them all that they had done saying, this is the men accounting, giving their account of what happened. Well, we ran, we came to the judgment seat. And when we saw all of the things that Nephi had testified to us, we were so astonished that we fell to the ground. And by the time we recovered of our astonishment, they took us to prison. So they're like, we didn't, we were just so shocked. And before you know it, we're in jail. And in 15 now, as for the murder of this man, we know not who has done it. 
and only this much we know. We ran and came according as ye desired, and behold, he was dead, according to the words of Nephi. It was Nephi. Nephi told us to do this. So we ran and saw, and that's what happened. And now we're in jail. And in 16, and now it came to pass that the judges did expound the matter unto the people and did cry out against Nephi, saying, Behold, we know that this Nephi must have agreed with someone to slay the judge, and that that he might declare unto us that he might convert us to his faith, that he might raise himself to be a great man, chosen of God and a prophet. So, Nephi must have been a, a criminal. He must have teamed up with the brother of the the brother of the chief judge and he must have carried this forth and carried this out because he wants us to be a member of his religion he wants us to convince us that he's a prophet of god by deception so that's what happened is what they're saying and in 17 and now behold we will detect this man and he shall confess his fault and make known unto us the true murder of this judge so, now what happens? Um, they go to Nephi, and they inquire of him, and they use bribery. They want to pay him money to admit that he has teamed up with Caesarums. I think that's how you say his name, Caesarum. He was the one murdered. So he, they, they're accusing him of teaming up with Caesarum's brother, Seantum, um, to kill him, the chief judge. So after this accusation, Nephi says in 21, it's just powerful. But Nephi said unto them, O ye fools! Ye uncircumcised of heart, ye blind, and ye stiff-necked people, stiff-necked people, do ye not, do you know how long the Lord your God will suffer you that ye shall go on in this your way of sin? How long is God going to stay his hand? How long is he going to wait? How long is he going to allow this to go on your murderous wicked ways and your um, transgressions how long will he stay his hand he says in 22 oh ye ought to begin to howl and mourn because of the great destruction which at this time doth await you except ye shall repent another warning repent Repent because you have no idea what is ahead of you if you don't. 23 Behold, ye, sh- ye say that I have agreed with a man that he should murder Caesarum, our chief judge. But behold, I say unto you that this is because I have testified unto you that ye may know concerning this thing. I told you this, and now you think that I did it? I wanted to show you, he says, yea, even for a witness unto you. I was giving you a witness. I wasn't telling you. 
that I did know of the wickedness and abominations which are among you. I wanted you to have a witness that I am aware of your wickedness. I'm aware of your sin that is in the middle that all of you have. I know all of it. And I'm just giving you a witness here. And he says, listen to me, I'll tell you something. I'm going to give you another witness. I want you to go to the house of Siantum. And I want you to say to him, has Nephi the, the pretended prophet who doth prophesy so much evil concerning this people agreed with thee in the which ye have murdered Caesarum, who is your brother? And behold, he shall say unto you, nay, no. So he says, go to the door of, of Siantum and ask him, has Nephi had any part of this murder of your brother? And he's going to say, no, no, he has not. 29, and ye shall say unto him, have you murdered your brother? Ask him again. Did you kill your brother? And in 30, and he shall stand with fear and wist not what to say. And behold, he shall deny unto you and he shall make as if it, if he were astonished. Nevertheless, he shall declare unto you that he is innocent. Okay, so, so he's going to be seriously fearful and he's not going to know what to say. He's going to deny what you say to him and he's going to act astonished. He's going to be so shocked and he's going to say that he's innocent. And in 31, but behold, you shall examine him and you're going to find blood on the skirts of his cloak. And when you have seen this, you shall say, from whence cometh this blood? Why do you have blood on the skirt of your cloak? Do we not know that it is the blood of your brother? We know that that is the blood of your brother. Why do you have blood on your cloak? And then 33, and then shall he tremble and he'll look pale, even as if death had come upon him. And then shall ye say, because of the fear and this paleness, which has come upon your face, behold, we know that thou art guilty. So Nephi is saying for them to do this. They have not done it yet, but he's saying exactly step by step, word for word, this is what you're going to say to him when you see him. You're going to ask him this. You're going to ask him this. You're going to notice this. You're going to notice his behavior. You're going to notice his paleness. And he's going to tremble. And there you go. Then he will confess to the murder of his brother. And that I, Nephi, had nothing to do with it. So he's telling him, this is what's going to happen. In 37, and it came to pass that they went and did, even according as Nephi had said unto them. And behold, the words which he had said were true, for according to the words he did deny, and also according to the words he did confess. And he was brought to, he was brought to prove that he himself was the very murderer, insomuch that the five were set free, the five were set at liberty, and also was Nephi. And there were some of the Nephites who believed on the words of Nephi. There were some that believed the testimony of the five. And for they had been converted while they were in prison. 
So while these five were in prison, they converted some people. (laughs) So that's cool. And in 40, and now there were some among the people who said that Nephi was a prophet. And there were some that thought Nephi was a god. Um, For except he was a god, he could not know of the things. For behold, he was told, told us the thoughts of our hearts. This is the last verse in 41. For behold, he was told us the thoughts of our hearts and also has told us things. And even he has brought unto our knowledge the true murderer of our chief judge. So what an intense chapter here. The brother, Siantum, was confessed his murderous ways that he had killed his brother and set Nephi free, and set the five free that went to find him. And they were able to keep their liberty. What an intense chapter. Thanks for joining me tonight, you guys. Have a good Sunday tomorrow. Bye. Hi, friends out there. Happy Sunday morning. I just stopped my car and I listened to chapter 10. I'm headed over to my parents and I just thought this would be a good time to just play it and and deep think about it. So I've stopped my car and I'm going to give my thoughts on chapter 10. This is so powerfully said and I apologize there may be cars here and there in my background. Um... In chapter 10, okay, so it came to pass that there arose a division among the people. Hmm, interesting. Insomuch that they divided hither and thither and went their ways, leaving Nephi alone, and he was standing in the midst of them. So here Nephi is, and he's gathered together in the center of this crowd, but there is such a great division among the people that they just divided. Things were said, I'm sure. They divided hither and thither. And um, Nephi was going towards his house. He was walking towards his house and he received a revelation. You know what? I'm going to roll my window up here because I'm getting too many cars. So he received a revelation. And um, this was a very powerful revelation. It came to pass. This is in number three. Um, and that as he was thus pondering, being much cast down because of the wickedness of the people of the Nephites, their secret works of darkness and their murderings and their plunderings and all manner of iniquity, it came to pass that as he was thus pondering in his heart, behold, a voice came unto him saying, blessed art thou Nephi for those things which thou hast done. For I have beheld how thou hast unwearingly declared the word which I have given unto thee and to this people and thou hast not feared them and hast not sought thine own life but has sought my will and to keep my commandments isn't that incredible Nephi did not have fear he had no fear he declared the gospel with unweariness not thinking about his life and not fearing other people. He just did it. 
I'm what an example of a fearless man, a fearless prophet. And in five, and now because thou hast done this with such unweariness, behold, I will bless thee forever and I will make thee mighty in word and in deed, in faith and in works. Yea, even all that shall be done unto thee according to thy word, for thou shalt not ask that which is contrary to my will. And in six, behold, thou art Nephi and I am God. I, that just stopped me in my tracks when I had, when I heard that revelation, how amazing behold thou art Nephi and I am God behold, I declare it unto thee in the presence of mine angels that ye shall have power over this people and shall smite the earth with famine and with pestilence and destruction according to the wickedness of this people. Here he is handing over power to Nephi. He trusts Nephi that much. He knows that Nephi, being a prophet of God, has always looked to God in sharing the gospel and and delivering the message that God would have the people to know. He knows he can completely trust Nephi. And here he is handing over the power to him um, according to the wickedness of this people. God did the same thing to Moses. Look at the power he gave to Moses. He's giving this power to Nephi. And, um, he's giving him the power to smite the earth with famine and pestilence and destruction. In seven, behold, I give unto you power that whatsoever ye shall seal on earth shall be sealed in heaven and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And thus shall ye have power among this people. And thus, if ye shall say unto this temple, it shall be rent in twain, it shall be done. And if ye shall say unto this mountain, be thou cast down and become smooth, it shall be done. And behold, in ten, if ye shall say that God shall smite this people, it shall come to pass. And now behold, I command you that ye shall go and declare unto this people that thus saith the Lord God, who is the almighty, except ye repent, ye shall be smitten even unto destruction. I wanted to read all of those verses because they are the words from God to his prophet. And I thought they were really important uh, and needed to be read. So. After Nephi had heard all of these words from the Lord, that he had the power to bring the people to a knowledge of the truth. He was headed to his home. He decided to turn back around. So he stopped and he went back to the multitudes who had scattered before and he began to declare unto them the word of the Lord at the end of 12, which had been spoken unto him concerning the destruction, their destruction, if they did not repent.
I cannot help but see the parallels. I, I'm just blown away if you are educated in what's going on in the world today. This is humbling to read all of this information because it's happening now. I just finished reading an article um, about the riots and protests in Portland, Oregon. That city is being completely destroyed right in front of our eyes. It's just being destroyed. If you look into what's going on in New York City, destruction of the city, the great city of New York, it's just being completely overrun and destroyed and people are moving out of there people are moving out of many of the cities right now in the united states um fleeing from these cities not many i think there's a handful that have really suffered but here nephi is speaking even after he tells them that there's going to be destruction if they do not repent, he still, after they had seen the miracles, after the people had seen and experienced Nephi's experience with, with outing the chief judge, that he, I mean the chief judge's brother who had murdered the chief judge, even after seeing all of that, they still would not hearken unto the words of the Lord. And in 14, therefore Nephi did declare unto them the word of the Lord saying, except ye repent, thus saith the Lord, ye shall be smitten even to destruction. Wow. That's powerful. And in 15, And it came to pass that when Nephi had declared unto them the word, behold, they did harden their hearts. They would not hearken unto his word. Therefore, they did revile against him and did seek to lay their hands upon him that they might cast him into prison. But guess what? The power of God was with Nephi and they could not cast him into prison. And in 16, for he was taken by the spirit and conveyed a away out of the midst of them. And I looked up the cross reference in the Bible. 16a takes me to the footnote down below in the Book of Mormon. It takes me to Acts 8, 39 through 40. And in that it says, And when they were up and out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more. He was gone. It's like he disappeared. Okay. So going back to Helaman 10 verse 16, for he was taken by the spirit and conveyed away out of the midst of them. The Lord took him and removed him from the situation. In 17, and it came to pass that thus he did go forth in the spirit from multitude to multitude declaring the word of God, even until he had declared it unto them or sent it forth among all the people. 
The spirit was helping him deliver the message. And it came to pass that they would not hearken unto his words. And there began to be contentions and so much that they were divided against themselves and began to slay one another with the sword. And in 19, thus ended the 70 and first year of the reign of the judges over the people of Nephi. So the people are ripened for destruction. In chapter um, 11, we'll see what happens to the people. Thanks for joining me this Sunday morning. Signing off. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to my podcast this morning. It's Monday morning. And I wasn't able to get to everything that I wanted to this last week. So this morning, I caught myself up. And I read chapter 11 of Helaman. Let me tell you, it was really inspiring and eye-opening. So we just cleared the fact that Nephi did not have anything to do with the murder of the chief judge. We just, um, we freed the five men. So now, uh, Siantum was responsible for the death of his brother. So we just ended with that. And then we went into chapter 11 where there was so much wickedness going on in the land, murders, wars, contentions, and division among the people, lots of division. And, um, Nephi is going, is persuading the Lord to replace the war with the famine. God has actually given Nephi the power to act in his name. Just as he did with Moses, he's doing this with Nephi, giving him the power to act for him so that he can use this power to help bring the people to remembrance of their God. And so Nephi pleads with the Lord, let's, let's not destroy the people off the face of the land. There's so much death and carnage and these people are killing each other. Let's not have that. Let's cause a famine in the land so that the fighting will stop and the people will be humbled. And so... That's exactly what happened. The Lord caused a famine to come into the land. And I believe it lasted five years, five years of famine. And I was telling my kids this morning as I was teaching them that what happens? How's my son's eating his waffles? I said, so you guys, a famine comes into the land. What is that? What is a famine? And then, of course, they say no food. I'm like, yeah, that means no waffles in front of your in front of your face on your plate nothing they struggled some might have been more prepared than others but they had a famine for 5 years and then i talked to my kids about what we had in our food storage and kind of like you guys if history repeats itself which it often does This is how God humbled his people. 
to help bring them to a remembrance of the Lord their God. He brought them, he brought the people to their knees by taking away their food and their rain that helps their grain to grow. So many things that we take for granted. Just the fact that rain and water, we just have that at our fingertips. And maybe not rain, but we have plenty of water. And we we do have the means of providing food for our families at the grocery store and in the garden. So we're so blessed like this. But I said to the kids, you know, you guys, we have wheat And I think we have like a year's worth of wheat for everyone. We have rice and I don't nearly have enough, but we have um, sugar and we have beans. So like, could we survive five years eating these things? You know, And, and it just makes me think I need to keep at my food storage, keep going keep adding to my supply. And um, anyway, so we had that discussion this morning. But guess what? After the five years of famine, the people were humbled. The Lamanites and the Nephites came together. They were peaceful and civil. And they had that peace for a few years. And um, let's see... And they became brothers in righteousness. They came together. They rebuilt you guys. And they multiplied and they spread and they had prosperity. And they were spreading across the land. This gives me a lot of peace actually in a time right now where we have COVID-19 running rapid. Our lives have been really affected by this worldwide This brings me peace to know that after the five years of famine, there was prosperity. That gives me a lot of hope. I don't know about you guys, but that brings me hope. So peace was finally achieved after five years of famine. At the six-year point, they they had peace and the people were kind and possibly they well they were humbled by their circumstances um and the lamanites converted let's see the lamanites converted to they had become and the lamanites had adopted some of the nephrite traditions and started considering themselves nephites but then after the famine was over and after about 3 years of peace or 3 years of peace after the famine the lamanites adopted their own ways back so then it goes ahead and picks up in verse 28 helaman 11:28 it came to pass that it was expedient that there should be a stop put to the work of destruction there was destruction again in the land. I'm going to go back to 27. Now behold, these robbers did make great havoc, yea, even a great destruction among the people of Nephi and also among the people of the Lamanites. 
So after the years of peace, the three years of peace after the famine, it wasn't many years later, they became exceedingly a great band of robbers. They did search out all the secret plans of Gadianton, and thus they became robbers of Gadianton. So this band of Gadianton didn't go away. You know, the famine brought humility for sure. But as soon as prosperity hit, they started assembling themselves together again to become this band of Gadianton. And it came to pass that it was expedient that there should be a stop to put to the work of destruction. Therefore, they sent an army of strong men into the wilderness and upon the mountains to search out this band of robbers and to destroy them. But behold, it came to pass that in that same year, they were driven back even into their own lands. And thus ended the 18th year of the reign of the judges over the people of Nephi. More about the robbers in 32, it came to pass that thus ended the year, this year, and the robbers did still increase and wax strong and so much that they did defy the whole armies of the Nephites and also of the Lamanites. And they did cause great fear to come into the people upon the face of the land. Okay, this is so happening right now, you guys. I don't know if you watch the news. I, I know it can be overwhelming. And it can be, it definitely can take a hit on the spirit if you're not balanced in your intake of all of what's going on. But it says right here in 32 that the band of robbers defied the whole armies of the Nephites and also the Lamanites. I believe that this band of Antifa is wreaking havoc on the Republicans and the Democrats and the um, moderates and the independents. I believe that most people are not agreeing with what is going on right now in that movement. And I feel like the Black Lives Movement has been overrun and overtaken and hijacked into this just complete mayhem and on the people and attack on the people. They are creating so much destruction throughout the land. That's my perspective. That is the perspective of Christy Ivory. But I can find a lot of parallels right here in verse 32. And they did cause great fear to come into the people upon all the face of the land. I mean, I just read that New York City, the great city of New York, I mean, the greatest city. I wanted to go there. I wanted to go there so bad that it is now a place for um, overrun with homelessness and overtaken by drug addiction. And there are people shooting up on the streets. Their hotels, their five-star hotels have been taken over and um, a place for addicts to go. And it's just really, really sad that the people of New York City have lost their city. And this is happening also 
I mean, in Seattle, there was also talk of um, mayhem in Seattle. So this is frightening to see in the United States. Um, 33, yea, for they did visit many parts of the land and, and did do great destruction unto them. Yea, they did kill many and did carry out, carry away others captive into the wilderness. Yea, and more especially their women and their children. And now this great evil which came unto the people because of their iniquity did stir them up again in remembrance of the Lord their God. And thus ended the 80 and first year of the reign of the judges. And in the 80 and second year, they began again to forget the Lord their God. Oh my goodness, it's so fast that they forget. So quick that they forget. But if you guys, can you relate when in your lives at times you're just feeling like this? I mean, I've had times in my life where I felt like this pain that I'm feeling, is this ever going to end? And of course, I am going to God with everything I have to help me and to help me and relieve me and relieve my loved ones from pain and and then things start to get better. And how quick do we forget all of the blessings and all of the rescuing that God has given to us? They were, they were just so quick to forget. And in the 80 and third year, they began to wax strong in iniquity. And in the 80 and fourth year, they did not mend their ways. And it came to pass in the 80 and fifth year, they did wax stronger and stronger in their pride and in their wickedness. And thus they were ripening again for destruction. And thus ended the 80 and fifth year. So the people were ripening. And, you know, earlier on, the Lord intervene, uh, intervened through his prophet Nephi. And help to humble the people. It's just so much better if we don't have to be compelled to be humble. That we recognize God's hand in our life every single day. It's so easy to forget. But I don't know about you. I don't want to be humbled. I want to be able to... I mean, I don't want to be compelled to be humble. I want to be humble. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on my podcast today. Come follow me with Christy Ivory. This week, it's taken me a bit to get to the last chapter in this week's segment, chapter 12 of Helaman. And let me pull this up right now so we can chat about what went down in this chapter. So we know that the Lord caused a great famine to come upon the land. And you'll hear some stomping around you guys because I'm, I'm in my garden right now harvesting some tomatoes. And the tomatoes are so beautiful. Anyway, um, so there was a famine in the land and um, it did humble the people. But then before long money and pride bring wickedness and the people reverted back to their ways uh, joined back into the Yadianton 
robbers group and carried on in their wicked and idolatrous ways. In verse 12, um, it talks about how the people are so quick to forget the Lord their God and that the people were unstable and foolish and so quick to do evil. And the Lord has to chasten his people. In verse 3, I really like how God, how um, Helaman is explaining why God has to bring on destruction. And when his children don't remember him. And it says in 3, And thus we see that except the Lord doth chasten his people with many afflictions, yea, except he doth visit them, with death and with terror and with famine and with all manner of pestilence, they will not remember him. You know, what's going to cause the people to be humble? Um, sadly, what causes the people to be humble are trials and challenges and pain and anguish. That's why I've told my kids, we never want to be compelled to be humble. We want to just be humble. Just try with all you can to be humble on your own so that we cannot, so we can escape the, the lesson learned here. And in four, oh, how foolish and how vain and how evil and devilish and how quick to do iniquity and how slow to do good are the children of men. Yea, how quick to hearken unto the words of the evil one and to set their hearts upon the vain things of the world. And I'm sorry, this is Nephi talking. Yea, how quick to be lifted up in the pride. Yea, how quick to boast and do all manner of that which is iniquity. And how slow are they to remember the Lord their God, and to give ear unto his counsels. Yea, how slow to walk in wisdom's paths. Number six, behold, they do not desire that the Lord their God, who hath created them, should rule and reign over them, notwithstanding his good, his great goodness, and his mercy towards them. They do set at naught his counsels. They will not that he should be their guide. Oh, how great is the nothingness of the children of men. Yea, even they are less than the dust of the earth. And I stopped there and I said to my daughter, what did that just say? And she said, wait a second. Did Nephi just say that we are less than the dust of the earth? And... Sorry, you guys. I'm also going to water while I talk. And I said, yeah, he did. And she's like, so he thinks that we're like worse than dust, worse than dirt. And I then went on to share with her why he uh, said that. And in eight, it says, for behold, the dust of the earth moveth hither and thither to the dividing asunder and the command of our great and everlasting God. In nine, yea, behold, at his voice do the hills and the mountains tremble and quake. 
and by the power of his voice they are broken up and become smooth, yea, even like unto a valley. Yea, by the power of his voice do the, doth the whole earth shake. And in twelve, yea, by the power of his voice do the foundations rock, even to the very center. Yea, and if he say unto this earth, Move, it is moved. And if he say unto this earth, Thou shalt go back, that it lengtheneth out the days, the day for many hours, it is done. So, and, and on 16, and behold, also, if he say unto the waters of the great deep, be thou dried up, it is done. So I answered my daughter's question. He answers that because the elements obey. The elements are obedient unto God. The dust, the water, the mountains, everything but people, we, his children, are so slow to remember the Lord God and to remember his words and the things that he has taught us. We're slow. So that is why he phrases it, phrases it like that and, and tells us this. Um, and 20, and behold, if the Lord shall say unto a man, because of thine iniquities, thou shalt be accursed forever, it shall be done. And if the Lord shall say, because of thine iniquities, thou shalt be cut off from my presence, he will cause that it shall be so. And woe unto him to whom he shall say for this, for it shall be unto him that will do iniquity, and he cannot be saved. Therefore, for this cause, that men might be saved, hath repentance been declared. 23, therefore, blessed are they who will repent and hearken unto the voice of the Lord their God. For these are they that shall be saved. And may God grant in his great fullness that men might be brought unto the repentance and good works, that they might be restored unto, the, unto grace for grace according to their works. Heavenly Father just wants his people to repent and to look to him acknowledge him we're so quick to forget and that's all I really wanted to share with you guys today because now I'm moving on moving on to um, Helaman chapter 13 I think it is through 16 and I will join you on that podcast have a good day